Welcome to the Spine Talk podcast, presented by Texas Back Institute. For more information about Texas Back Institute, visit www.texasback.com. And now, your host, Art Young. One of the most controversial subjects in healthcare today is the use of opioids for the treatment of chronic pain. Fortunately, technology is providing another way to treat this pain. Hi, I'm Art Young for Spine Talk, and joining us this time is Dr. Scott Kutz from Texas Bank Institute. Welcome, Dr. Kutz. Thank you so much. Glad to have you. In a recent uh, study that was released from Washington University, it was noted that 75% of the subjects treated with high-frequency stimulators experienced reductions in pain of at least 50% uh, after three months. Some reported a 70 to 80% reduction in back pain almost immediately. And uh, we talked about these spine stimulators back in 2014 with your two colleagues, Dr. Rashbaum and Dr. Heisey, and the newer version seems to be better, and uh, I want to get kind of your take on uh, these spine stimulators have been around for treating chronic pain for many years, but the newer version sends a higher speed stimulus. Tell us a little bit about the history of spine stimulators and how this newer version is better for the treatment of chronic back pain. Absolutely. So spinal cord stimulation uh, for treatment of chronic pain is uh, certainly nothing new. Uh, The original spinal cord stimulators were developed back in the late 1960s, I believe around 1967 is the earliest I've seen described. Um, But really the the technology was not able to be used in a widespread means until the 1980s, and that was concordant with uh, pacemaker technology. So once we were devel- able to develop pacemakers, which were able to be implanted and uh, sustain uh, electrical stimulation for the for the patient for a long period of time, uh, it just wasn't wasn't practical to uh, deliver chronic stimulation for the treatment of pain prior to that. Uh, between the 1980s and really probably around 2010. Uh, the uh, the technology had remained relatively static and that there was a certain uh, recognized range of stimulation frequency that could be delivered to the to the spot to the dorsal column of the spinal cord and uh, if you delivered that uh, stimulation within those parameters then you would typically get uh, nice uh, reduction of pain, particularly uh, pain uh, uh, involving the, uh, the the hips, the buttocks, the legs. In the case of uh, thoracic stimulation, or uh, in the cervical spinal cord, you could get nice coverage of uh, the shoulders and uh, some 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 part of the back, and then into the arms and down to the hands and the fingers. And uh, that's that, that's basically what the stimulation uh, was was being used for for all of that time. Uh, unfortunately, uh, there were a number of patients that would not get good benefit from that stimulation because of, uh, you know, maybe they had more pain uh, centered in the neck or uh, rating up the back of the head or in, in the lumbar spine itself. Sometimes the, the coverage was not uh, so great with that more chronic stimulation. Or uh, there, the patients would also experience paresthesias uh, with this stimulation, meaning that they could feel the stimulation that was on. And for a number of patients, uh, that sensation was not uh, agreeable. Uh, Sometimes it would be more bothersome or annoying, and uh, therefore that would make it not a useful means of uh, covering the patient's pain. So um, enter high-frequency stimulation, uh, which is novel in the sense that 
it can it, it is not able to be perceived uh, by 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 humans, and so when that stimulation is delivered, it still has uh, effects on the ner on the nervous system, and it still interrupts pain delivery from those more distal nerves up to the brain, but it is not able to be perceived, and so. Uh, stimulation is uh, can can be delivered uh, at a higher intensity because it's not able to be perceived and therefore it can cover more of the uh, deeper uh, pathways within the spinal cord and can and can lead to better coverage of axial pain pain in the neck itself in the case of cervical stimulation or pain uh, in the lumbar spine itself in the case in the case of uh, uh, thoracic stimulation fascinating well, this research at Washington University notes that the new version uh, that you just described is being used instead of opioids for the treatment of back pain. Obviously, this is good news for the medical community and, and the patient community, which is concerned about opioid abuse. Uh, from a medical standpoint, how does spine stimulation mimic the effect of something like an opioid for pain treatment? So they, they really work a bit differently. Opioids uh, really don't eliminate pain, but they, they increase the tolerance of uh, the, the mind uh, to having pain. So most patients that are, that are taking opioids will tell you, well, I, I can still tell I hurt, uh, but I just don't care as much. Or huh. you know, it's, it's kind of more of a dissociative kind of effect, whereas uh, with uh, spinal cord stimulation, there's actually a disruption of that abnormal pain signal coming from distally up to the brain. It's interrupted by the spinal cord stimulator electrical sim signal. Wow, that's a big difference. That's a big difference. And, and uh, as I mentioned at the outset, and, and, uh, a few years ago, we discussed the older version of these uh, spine stimulators with uh, your colleagues. And the, this was on the heels of a patient who had, had, a, had a surgical failure with this device. And uh, both Heise and Rashbaum noted that the problem was not the device, but rather the training the surgeons were getting for implanting it. How does, how does TBI train surgeons on the proper implementation of these newer spine stimulators? So as, as spinal surgeons, uh, we really have had the opportunity to perfect both uh, percutaneous uh, delivery of spinal cord stimulator leads as well as surgically implanted leads. And uh, having, having the ability to perform the technique in both ways, uh, I think is very helpful for, for patients uh, because not, not, every, um, not every nail needs a hammer, so to speak. It's, uh, you know, some, some patients are better served or suited to have a percutaneously delivered stimulator lead and uh, other patients, uh, the surgically implanted lead. And uh, Dr. Rashbaum, for example, has been performing uh, spinal cord stimulation since the 1980s and has a vast experience uh, in implanting these devices. And a number of the other surgeons at uh, Texas Back Institute also have uh, a fair bit of experience uh, performing uh, these, these techniques. So what types of patients, uh, maybe it's a type of back pain, are good candidates for this high-speed spine stimulator? Well, really, with the high high frequency stimulation, it really opens up the uh, the door for uh, a number of patients that previously would not have thought to have been good candidates. As I as I mentioned uh, earlier, the possibility of stimulating patients that uh, have primarily uh, axial low back pain or primarily axial neck pain uh, is is now a, a relatively new area that we're 
we're, we're delving into and we're able to help some of these patients that previously would only be candidates for either opioid medications or something like an intrathecal pain pump where opioids are delivered directly into the spinal canal uh, to deliver uh, the uh, the pain medication and, and give the patients relief. So uh, this this really uh, allows us another opportunity to avoid the the use of opioids and their potential side effects, and instead uh, control pain with electrical stimulation. That's a big change too. That's a big change. Given the number of people who are experiencing back pain in their day to day life. Uh, this non-opioid treatment seems to be a good investment for health insurance. Is is this procedure covered by most health insurance and, and Medicare? Yes, most uh, most insurance companies do uh, cover this this service, uh, including uh, including Medicare. Uh, despite that, I, I think it is still underutilized in general, uh, just due to a lack of awareness uh, by the general community and also lack of awareness in the medical community. That this newer form of stimulation is available and and so potentially potent at relieving pain. Well, we have been talking about uh, fabulous new technology for relieving chronic back pain and, and relieving uh, various kinds of pains actually uh, using spinal stimulation. Our guest has been Dr. Scott Kutz. Dr. Kutz, thank you for joining us. Thank you, Art. This is Art Young for Spine Talk, and we'll talk again soon. <laughs>